the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome to the show for Christopher Rennie for another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant Podcast Network. And as always, I'm joined by Jordan Williams. Uh, how you doing today, Jordan? Uh, I'm all right. I can't complain. It's Friday. Well, it's not Friday. It's Friday when you listen. It's Friday. But it's Friday. It's, it's Friday. Uh, pretty. I should have a light day of work tomorrow. So, uh, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Uh, tea time scheduled for Sunday. Um, the Masters are on. You know, as a, as a, what is it? The dimple head. That's what they call us golf people. Um, I'm very excited. It's a good weekend. It's a great weekend. We're going to be in the 60s. You know, we always got to get a little bit of weather in for you guys. We're your weekend weather update as well. But I'm feeling good. The only thing that I'm not feeling good about is like, I woke up this morning and went and saw my hair. I'm like, man, it's been too long since I've been to the barber. And I've got so much product in trying to shape it to make it look normal. Then I'm just like, it gets to the point where I'm like, this is too much. Like, if I can't do it with like the pea size that they recommend, I need to go to the barber. So yeah, listen, I, I feel that I need a haircut, but at this point, I'm thinking like, so the wedding is like two weeks away. Do I want to get a haircut now and then get another one, or do I just want to let it rot and then just get my haircut before the wedding? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm you're, you're in that tweener area. I just let it, I let it ride, honestly. Yeah, you well, might I not feel comfortable for like a couple of days, but um, I think it'll be big. I think you'll feel a lot better if you just get it freshly cut because then like if you think about it you're you'll see yourself fresh cut two weeks ago um you have you'll have a haircut to compare it to so like maybe you get a really good haircut then right now two weeks later the haircut's not as good i wouldn't get you feeling too good so i'd say just let it ride on the one um let it no comparison one shot at it, you're going to feel extra fresh because, you know, you let it grow out a little bit more. Like, I know once my hair gets cut because it's so long, I'm just going to feel incredibly fresh. So, I think that's the move. You just feel extra fresh waiting it out. Kind of living a little rough for a little bit, but I think it's worth it in the end. Yeah, I, I hear you. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if I can last because I think we get my hair cut every two weeks. And and that's like pressing it. I would if I if it wasn't so expensive and I and I had more money, I might get it cut a little bit more often. So we'll see. I, I like where you're coming from because that's low key what I was thinking. But it's just like I still have to look at myself for the two weeks until the wedding. Yeah, take the mirrors out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Walk outside and I have any idea what you look like. That's that's a true testament of someone. He just doesn't have any worries in the world. It's like, so that's what you wore to work today? Oh, what's wrong with it? I, I didn't even look in the mirror. I don't even, I don't own a mirror right now. It would be kind of crazy to just do like a week. Like, cause you know, like you got your outfits, you know, work, right? But like, if you just like had to like randomly select clothes without looking at yourself in the mirror before you went, like you get, you probably get some crazy looking stuff, honestly. Stuff that's way out of character. 
Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. I, I, I could not walk out the house like that. Me personally, I, I do care a lot about how I look when I walk out the house. So I'm a... Uh, I can't support that, but it would be an interesting, like, experiment. Yeah, I'm not doing it either. Um, but I, all my clothes are basically the same clothes, just different colors. So, got, like, it's either an Abercrombie t-shirt or it's one of my quarter zips. And it's like, those are my two options. <laughs> they all the same. They just all are different colors. <laughs> Um, but that's what it's all about. Um, keep it simple. That's what I've always said. Um, I think that's what the great people do. And on this show, we're going to keep it very simple. We're going to go. We're, we're, we're just going to get into it. We're going to start with the yearly conversation. I, I've heard it. I've heard whispers of it. I've heard whispers. Um, I've heard, you know, it come out, you know. No one's talked about the tight ends that much. You know, we got a quarterback competition. We've got some running backs getting healthy. We've got five-star receivers joining the crew. So, you know, getting in front of the the media here, um, it's the year of the tight end. I think, you know, when you look at cultures, when you look at the way the stars align, like, you know, Chinese New Year, year of whatever animal it is, ox, rat, you know, the list goes on. This year at Ohio State football – you know, there's been projections. There's been people who've made this claim year in and year out. But this year, I truly do believe wholeheartedly, reputation on the line, that it will be the year of the tight end. And I'm incredibly excited for it because we have a tight end returning who hurdles people, who runs through people. And I don't know if you guys know this, but jelani thurman's killing it in camp so uh one through four i think this is the best tight end group we've had coming into a season since i've been alive yeah i I think that's fair i have so here's the thing i think i agree with you but i'm not as excited as you are because me personally and i just tweeted this which is and this is exactly why I agree with you, because what I want to happen never happens. I just want you all to visualize this for a second. If you follow me on Twitter, you've already seen it. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jaden Ballard on one side. Jaden Ballard on one side. And then you have Omeka Ibuka and Carnell Tate on the other side. Four wide, whoever the quarterback, you have Travion Henderson at running back. And you tell me that we're not going to get a touchdown every time that's on the field. So, while I agree that this is probably the year of the tight end, I largely agree solely because I know they're not going to give me what I really need, which is those four wide receivers just going crazy. And then it's like, but why did you say Carnell Tate? That's fine, because when he gets tired, you seven Julian Fleming. And when Omega gets tired... Or when Jaden Ballard gets tired, you throw in Brandon Ennis. Who's stopping yeah. that? Yeah, you you Who's think on paper, it? right? Um, but we're I, not I mean, so let's talk tight ends. Not, that's the thing. Let's talk tight ends. Um, the reason we have to do this every year is because Ryan Day loves his twelve personnel. He will never not have a tight end on the field. Eleven personnel, twelve personnel. Um, it is truly the most NFL aspect of the way he coaches is using 11 and 12 personnel, whether that be two inline tight ends, one inline tight end and a wing back, 
one inline tight end, an H back. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter how it's aligned, but the personnel is always at the minimum 11 personnel, at the most 12 personnel, which if you look across the NFL, that is all anyone ever does, right? That's what Ryan Day brought in. Um, his his uh, mentor, Chip Kelly, has always been a big tight end guy. Um, so it's really just a matter of principle that there's always going to be a tight end on the field. And, you know, as exciting as that four wide receiver sounds and like, you know, if we had the video game, if we had the Xbox game out, the PlayStation game out right now, or you guys are playing the NCAA Unleashed, I know you go four wide. I know you have four receivers. I know a lot of you just go empty and just say, you know what, screw Travion, screw mine. We're just chucking this thing around. But that's just not how it's going to be. Um, but, yeah, I think the biggest reason and, you know, I want, I want you to see because, you know, sometimes we got to bring each other off off the mountain, right, when we get on top of the hill. Um, the reason I think this is the year of the tight end is because the receivers are so good. The running backs are so good when they're healthy that if you stop those two, there's one option left, and that's the tight ends. And we saw it last year in games. You know how many times they just ran Cade Stover out on one of those little wheel routes. They ran Cade Stover behind uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. right out into the flat. No one's covering Cade Stover because they have to stop Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, but it's, that's just, a, but imagine, it's just realistic. It's imagine just imagine if that was Brandon Ennis. Yeah, well, the, the reason I, I wish I could imagine is because then they have to single cover us. It's just impossible. Like, because then you put them in the position of like, okay, so are you going to single cover everyone or are you going to double cover Marvin, which you need to do, and then leave Brandon Ennis or Omega Ibuka or Jaden Ballard on a linebacker? It's just not going to happen. In my opinion, we don't put two beautiful women against each other because you can have both. We can have both. And that is my hope. That is my hope that Brian Hartline is not as stubborn as Ryan Day. And he and, and those that's his guys, that's his positions. I hope that there's too there's too many of them too good that he throws out some four wide receiver sets. But when the tight ends come, and they are going to come, it is going to be very, very fun. Because as you were alluding to before, I, I, I kind of took this off schedule with uh, my hopes and dreams for uh, for the season. There's, it's not only is it the deepest room and probably the most talented room, right? It's the most diverse room as well. So. 100%. You can just do different things, and it's it's just you can do different things. You can put different people out there, and I don't know how much everyone knows this. It's hard to tell who's on the field sometimes. Like they'll probably always know when Jelani's on the field because he's huge, but like sometimes it's a little hard to know who's on the field. And so like you can sneak somebody out there, and they're like, oh, that's their blocking tight end, and then it's not their blocking tight end. It's the tight end yeah, that's going to you know, that's going to run a four five and like just break your linebacker off uh, for a touchdown. So I'm definitely excited. I hope that we get both. I hope we get a little bit more, um, especially because, like, realistically, the the catches are there. They're just always, like, given the two or three people. 
And so they're not kind of like spread out, which if they spread them out a little bit, that the the catches are definitely there. I mean, we in one year we almost had three thousand yard receivers. So it's like if you just kind of like, you know, spread that out yeah. to some people, you do the math, you cut down a couple, you let some people get some get get a break, get a, get a rest, right? Um, the catches are there. So, but I, I do agree that I think it's going to be the year of the tight end, especially because I'm not going to say I was super impressed with the last tight end coach. I, I don't think that he was really coaching them, and. I just think that now is the time. It's kind of a mix of like now should be the year that some of the people who weren't ready should be ready because tight end's a hard position to play and a mix of them recruiting better. Like Joe Royer should be ready to be a full-time tight end, right? He came in, he's, he made a couple nice catches occasionally, especially in the spring game, but he should have some weight on him. He should be a better blocker. He should be a solid number two. Cade Stover is in the third year of his transition similar to Steel Chambers, like he should be like locked in, like Steel Chambers is officially a linebacker, Cage Stover is officially a tight end, like no question there and then you throw Jelani Thurman out there who literally like hopefully Keenan Bailey didn't learn the thing from Brian Hartline where it's like you have to be able to do everything I don't need him yeah. to do everything if he does two things, put him out there and just yeah, let him he runs fast and catches balls in the red zone. I want to say I don't care about anything else. I don't. I don't even need him to block. Put Kate out there to block if he can do. Yeah, put Kate out there. Put Joe Roy out there. Even put G Scott out there. Yeah. Well, okay. You're going a little far now. Hey, I, don't, I don't know about hey, that. One. <laughs> hey, he's taking. He's taking Jelani Thurman under his wing. They wouldn't just let anybody take someone under their wing. Are you sure about that? Do you remember who the captains were last year? And everybody and everybody was talking like, "Oh no, they're going to play because they're captains." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> Half the people are like, you need the captain's spiel to play, and then half the people were like, these are captains, so they're gonna play. And I'm just like, it's neither, it's team voted, yeah. so they just voted for the players that they liked. Okay. Yeah. 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 So Scott's like, a great guy, but like, you know what? I'm not trying to be scared. I would be, like, I would I be surprised if he was a captain this year, honestly. Yeah. Honestly, like I, I would love him. Great. Yeah, so I, I think that this is I don't know, man. Um, that's one of the things where you can kind of run into the rabbit hole of like where are the differences because there's going to be a lot of things that Brian Hartline does that are going to be similar. It's going to kind of keep the thing. But where he can be different is the use of tight ends. Where he can be different is not the use of tight ends and putting four wide receivers in the field. Like kind of little things like that is where you can yeah. kind of make his mark. And I think that I, I 100% understand why you're excited. I, I think that this is the year that the room is finally like – it's an Ohio State line uh, tight end room, which we haven't had for ever. We've had Quite like one, time. maybe maybe one and a half, but we've never had more than one, and we've never had them ready at the same time. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, don't get me wrong. Like the Jake Stoneburner, Nick Vinnett, like those early Urban Meyer era tight ends were fine. It's just they were never going to be volume catch guys because. Ohio State just didn't throw the ball as much because they didn't have a quarterback of the skill set of Justin Fields, of C.J. Stroud, of Dwayne Haskins at that time. Now you combine the talent. And to be honest, I just know, like, the way it's going to work, there's just so many little junky catches that tight ends get because all the coverage downfield, oh, they're out in the flat, we'll just check down, get the five, six yards. Cade's the king of those. And you know what? My favorite play, my favorite play in the entire offense is that fake 
wide zone toss that they do, and then they run all the receivers up the field and they just sneak Cade Stover out and he gets past the linebacker and then Stroud just strings the ball in there. And it's it's good for thirty every time. It's a thirty yard play every time they run it. Like that's like in NCAA football when you found like the shark wheel or something. Like you just run it every time you need a big gain, and that's what they did. Um, this is just a quick question. Will the 37 catch total fall? So the last the the highest tight end total in the season's Ricky Dudley, 37 catches. Um or that's the highest in like the last 25 years. Regardless, it's been 30 something years since then. Um will it fall? Kate had 36 last year. He had a catch like three minutes into the Georgia game. Ended up getting knocked out of the game. He was probably going to break it last year. I think if I had to set an over-under, it's 40. Do you think it goes over or under 40? The leading I, end this year. I literally think he gets like exactly 37 or 38. Um, I do think it falls. And especially because there's one thing you got to remember, like we could be wrong, but like it's unlikely that Kyle McCord or Devin Brown is – you know, Justin Fields or C.J. Stroud. So, and by saying that, literally C.J. Stroud has been described as multiple people as if he couldn't hand, he couldn't get the ball to a wide receiver downfield better unless he handed it to them. And I say that to say that, like, think about the Iowa play, right, where there's literally three defenders and he still throws the ball to Marv. That's probably not something that Kyle McCord is going to do, especially not early. And so I think they're going to rack up some some kind of I – think, I think they're going to rack up some catches. Or yes. There's going to be a lot more like um, dump-offs and things like that. Now, later in the season, maybe not as much. Once he gets comfortable, he kind of gets his feet under him. Uh, Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, and they start to that attack. Uh, yeah, attack confident. more. But I think yeah. in the beginning the tight ends are gonna feast. Like I could I could see him with fifteen catches, you know, in the first three games. Like five a game. That's really not that much. And then after that, maybe it kind of tailors off. But if you get fifteen, you only need twenty more in the next nine games, right? That's two a game. I think that as long as he's healthy, especially because you do include the playoffs and things like that, I definitely think that it probably falls not significantly because you are going to like uh, book it right now Marvin and Emeka are both going to go over a thousand yards again so it's not there's not a lot of catches out there especially if Carnell Tate is uh, ready especially if Julian Fleming kind of in that in that second year healthy Um, but I I do think that he does it um, for sure but uh, I did want to say, because you brought it up, do you want to know why? I'm good at Madden, but do you want to know why I'm not that good at Madden? I, I do. It's because I did the exact opposite that what you said. I treat Madden like it's a real football game, so I'm the fucking idiot that's in, like, the eye formation and stuff. And I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to establish. Down. Yeah, like, I'm trying to establish the run game. Like, it's not like, I'm not, like, three yards in the cloud of dust. Like, I'm running, like, power and stuff like that. Like, I'm, I'm actually trying to, like, think through, like, game situations. Play and the dude that I'm playing is fucking, like, usuring his defensive lineman, running them 15 yards down field and user picking me and I'm like but that should have been open I'd like yeah so uh although NCAA I don't do that I definitely run it like it's but, but yeah I, I don't know it's like the coaching me I like football too much I'm literally like all right all right so it's 33 
33. I'm gonna run a slant out, and, and then I'm gonna like I'm gonna do power. I'm establishing the run. I'm trying to get some even carries. What Urban Meyer said. I'm trying to get 50 50. You know, and then I get fucking <laughs> and then I get dogged. <laughs> so it's like it's like I probably should do what you said. I probably should you know five wide out there, hail marys, and all that other kind of stuff. But no, no I'm out here know, trying to do real game plans. You know what we call that? We call that the Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> I do not want to be compared to Jimbo Fisher, but no, I think it's funny. I played, I played my little brother in Madden, and he was dogging me, and that's why because I was actually trying to play. I'm like, oh yeah, five yards on first down, like that's a good play, and he was like, oh, first down, four verts. <laughs> like, yeah, I am. I I'm like I'm definitely one of those people. It's like I'm gonna throw the ball sixty times, four verts, corner strike, wheel route out of the backfield with a running back, like. It's ban- it's boomer bust one hundred percent of the time. That is the yeah. way I like offense to be played. But um that's definitely that's how my junior college was run and shoot, so like that's all we wanted to do was throw. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm I'm trying to do like play action digs across the middle, forgetting that every user linebacker can jump 15 feet in the air. Yeah, yeah. and then it does that slow mo <laughs> turn, and you're just like, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> not me, but with, Ohio State's not going to do that. We don't got to worry. Ohio State's not going to yeah, do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to NCAA um, whatever the fuck drops. But I'm yeah. a, I'm a pivot this. I don't think he's going to get over 37 catches. I've been thinking about this a lot. You think? I see. So okay. So because I think I think the room's going to be better. So I think he might have like twenty five catches, and then like Royer will have like ten, and then Thurman will have like seven, and then Scott will have like seven or eight. And I think they're going to have like fifty five catches as a room, but no one's going to break the record. I hate to be the one to tell you that they're going to do the thing that they always do and just play the senior, even though that there's good play. It's going to be Stover and Royer. It's just going to be Stover and Royer. Yeah. Like, and, like Jelani's and, not going to play Scott, the senior. Honestly. Like, yeah, Jelani, uh, it's actually going to be Stover and Scott. And we're going to be like, but Joe, did you not see Joe Royer one-handed fingertip catch? And then he rumbled for 30 yards looking like George's tight end. And then we didn't yeah. see him for the next four games. Like, I really hate to break it to you. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, that's what happened last year with the defensive Come line. Come on, Brian. Right? Stand up for yourself. <laughs> Fight back. <laughs> so, Keaton, you're a full-time position coach now. You have a say. Yeah, like, like you have a say. Look, you're not a quality control coach no more. Stop letting them do this. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this one last thing before we get on to the recruiting stuff this week. Um Mitch Rossi's gone, and I was I, our our best friend, Pro Football Focus. I, I just wanted to get I take a quick gander at like how they graded out them and run blocking because you know last year we very much had issue with Cade Stover blocking out in space. So he he graded better than I thought at a seventy. Uh, Mitch Rossi graded as an eighty in run blocking, which is which is pretty good. And with it being his one job, you'd expect him like that's the only way Mitch Rossi was going to see the field is if he's a good run blocker. Um, but Cade's got to step up in that department, one hundred percent. The other guys, all under sixty. So it's incredibly important for the offense and the run game to work because I know we talked about the stats, the advanced stats. I'm not going to name the site anymore because they're kind of in the doghouse with people like me and Jordan for years, three years running. (laughs) Yeah. And then, uh, and then you got the, 
FEI and all that stuff, power success rate. It's incredibly important on the edge to stop the most athletic player on a field, and that's usually the tight end's job is stopping that dominant defense lineman or the will linebacker going across the formation. If they can't do that successfully, Trayvon Henderson's not hitting home runs. Mayan Williams isn't hitting home runs. So that's a, that's the other thing we need to see from this room is just an improvement blocking in space. I think they'll be better at it. Um, but I think in a weird way, G, uh, G Scott should be pretty good at because he's been a receiver for so long. And that's how they block out there. Yeah, I, I, so I disagree. So I agree with you. I like agree in with terms, you. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I'm going to say, like, I don't think that's going to translate as well as I think it is. But, like, in looking at A to B, like, that makes too much sense for it to not be good. Yeah, so I agree with you, but I also disagree with you. I actually think this is one of the flaws of the coaching staff. He, you know, Kate Stover doesn't need to get good at blocking in space. Just stop making him block in space. He's a, he was a pretty decent blocker when he was attached to the line of scrimmage, but he couldn't block a screen to save his life. So stop well, asking yeah. him to do it. Like screens, obviously, ideally, you with. want you it's want him the to second do level. It. I mean, but like, most he's gonna have to step out and get a nickel or a safety. He's gonna have to do it. That's like part of the job. Like offensive tackles have to do that. Yeah, but like, I, I think that's something you could design out of your offense. <laughs> Like, and the very, very easy way to design that out of your offense is to send him to the backside, like do the split zone type thing. Like, he's not an offensive lineman, and there are some offensive, there are some tight ends that are essentially extra offensive linemen, but I think think that's just one of the things where you really just have to, like, cater to your players and not do what you just want to do, and I think that that's a mistake. I don't know that Kate is ever going to be great at that, so if they have one that's good at do it but I I actually and this is one of the few things that I'm not going to be like you know just do a little better or whatever but like I genuinely just think like don't be stubborn he's not good at it let him do the things that he's good at he's really good at a lot of things that wasn't it stop running that stupid ass play so yeah, yeah. I think it's good at it and you're right like you're right and I'm all for it because that's just going to make the offense better I just want them to stop running it just do something else yeah. just do what he's my, good at my big thing with it he has to be able to get to linebackers he has to be able to get safeties I do not want to see this guy out blocking the one corner because it doesn't matter how strong you are it doesn't matter how big you are the corner is going to be quicker and he's going to beat you to the bubble every time if you're a tight end so to counteract that, what do you do? You put a faster guy out there. Don't run a bingo or a bubble with two tight with tight end out as a split or the f- slot receiver. Exactly. It's just like like you that said. One I, yeah, the box, yes, you need to be able to like you don't have to be great, but you need to be able to seal and get in front of the defensive end to let let your running back get past you. You need to be able to trip up a linebacker or something. And and occasionally you need to be able to, you know, like you don't even have to be the best. Sometimes blocking is just getting in front of them, like just putting your body in between them. Like that stuff I'm all for. But like anything like axiom in space, please stop asking him to do it like you're just making him and everyone else look bad and that's not even yeah. a really a good part of yeah. our offense like don't do it like nine plays into the drive if you're gonna do it like play one or two when he's fresh don't have this guy running around 10 plays into a drive and have to get a corner out in space that just makes yeah. no sense and also just like don't do it 
in third and short when you need the yardage. Yeah. Like, you really just shouldn't do it at all because if you do it in first and 10 and then you lose four, four yards, it's second and 14. But, like, like, yeah, like one of the most year, frustrating things last year is there's, like, they were drawing up plays for Kate Stover in big moments. Stop. Don't do that. Yeah. It yeah, just, unless, it's, do unless, it's, unless it's one of those plays that gets him by himself. I don't need him one-on-one with the safety in a big moment. Like That's just not don't just don't don't draw don't draw a single play for him at a big all moment. that extra work he put into designing that play for Kate Stover, he could have just come up with another to Marvin Harrison. Exactly. So it's just yeah, you're not wrong. I, I just I don't even care. Like if he gets good at it, fine. Utilize it. I just don't think that needs to be in his wheelhouse. Just stop asking him to do stop asking him to block in space. Like in, in a lot of space. Cater to your players. And we'll be fine. Stop yeah. doing stupid shit. You're the tight end. We already hated on the year of the tight end. But it's still going to be the year of the tight end. There's just no way. There's too good of a group. Too good of a group. Um, and Ryan Day's never going to stop running 12 personnel. So it's got to be the year of the tight end. And if we even take it a step further with Ryan Day's commitment to 11 and 12 personnel, it's always the year of the tight end. All right, recruiting. Um, yes, we're back to being recruiting experts with a Z right now because we're not actually that serious about it yet. But Brian Hartline, um, I tweeted it the other day. The man has transcended past God's year to an existence beyond the human plane of understanding. Landed another five-star receiver, and let me let me let me ask you this: When you saw the news that Mylon Graham committed to Ohio State. Did you get excited? Like, was there like a jump in your heart rate at all? No. Or was it just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to eat my dinner? Yeah, it was another day. Cool. That's nice. And like, if we're being honest, like, that's kind of disgusting. <laughs> we are so spoiled. Yeah, it's just so spoiled. And like, our conversation goes out the show. Like, you know, I take this for granted, but. It is just such a customary thing at this point. What, are we on his fourth recruiting class now? Like, how many more? Honestly, like, what the hell? Brian Hartline. Like, this is why he got promoted. This is why he's the secondary recruiter on, like, every single offensive position. Yeah, it's it's literally, like, the only way to put it. Because, like you said, it's past God tier. It's past like the human understanding. Is he's gone Super Saiyan, and that is not like just some corny anime reference that I wanted to throw out there. It's just the only way to describe it. Like he, like I'm not gonna make more because then it's gonna get like super nerdy. But I really no, I think got that's you. the only way you. that you can you describe know, it is some of those like like with Naruto going sage mode like it's something it's nuts it's it's nuts what's the most recent Dragon Ball Z called where they're fighting the guy who looks like a cat I couldn't even tell you honestly I'm not gonna lie to you you know how they used to have the golden Saiyan hair and sometimes it would turn red and then in this one now it's blue it's the it's it's a flame blue hair that's where that's where that's where he's at I don't know what any of that means you're right um 
You can ask my brother. He loves that stuff. <laughs> but it, it's really the only way you could describe it. Like, you know, it was just, he went yeah. super sane. He, he pushed himself beyond limits. He went on his, like, 30-episode training arc, came back stronger, and, and just doing some things that nobody nobody knows. Like, Yeah, he um, was just hanging out in the village, not really doing anything. You know, Urban Meyer gives him a call. Hey, you want to come help us out? You know, he gets a taste. He gets a taste. He goes away goes on one of those little side quests finds a reason he wants to be there and then boom yeah he is an anime arc i think you're right i think you're 100 right there's only that's the only way to explain it uh to be honest with his career it's he's basically one punch man i've not seen that one but like you know the what is it the the plot summary no that's not it it's the the synopsis that's what it is a guy has a superpower where if he punches someone, they lose in one punch. We're gonna get we're gonna get cooked in the comments for this. <laughs> All right, well, I wrong, the wrong topic to mess up on. This is gonna be the new Michigan ages. Yeah, no. Well, if you if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, had, did you watch his interview with Busting with the Boys? I did. I, I, I was the whole thing. Yeah. If you really want to go down the rabbit hole, he's really Naruto because nobody wanted him because he was the white wide receiver. Like who wants yeah. the little white wide receiver? And then he ended up being one of the best ones with the NFL career. And now everybody loves him. He came back home and he's training up the other little ninjas. And it's like, oh, it's this forgotten white wide receiver who was sitting on the swings by himself crying while all the fast black kids were going around. And now he's, you know, freaking. NFL vet like reached his third contract, offensive coordinator. It's like he's like some. I saw someone in an article on funny. Twitter say something like, "The only way to keep him is to make him the head coach." He's about to become the freaking Hokage. He's Naruto. Yeah. He's Naruto. Right. Well, and one thing I, I think it is interesting, you know, bringing that up because I want to talk about it at the end, but we're here right now, so let's just get it over with. Um, the thing with it. Um, the way he was like, yeah, I thought, you know, just let me be a receiver coach. 15, 20 years, I'd be good. And then he's like, then I got a taste. And then I kept getting more involved and getting more roles and stuff. So to me, that tells me that every time Ryan Day's given him an additional responsibility, he's loved it. And, you you know, you brought up the white wide receiver nobody wanted. That competitive streak doesn't go away. No. Like, there's a reason he is so competitive for the five stars. There's a reason he wants to be the top recruiter in the country. Yeah, he literally, like, he literally they asked him who he could beat up, and he said any offensive Everybody. coordinator in the country. And he's just like, he's like, if you, if you don't believe you're a dog, you're not going to be a dog. And... Naruto believed he was a dog. Naruto said he. Naruto thought he could beat anybody up. So yeah, you know what? You know I'm a dog. I'm a dog. I got that, I got that dog. I believe me. it. I believe it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm going to look in the mirror every day, like for the rest of my life. And like Brian Hartline said, if you want to be a dog, be a dog. I'm going to bark at myself. So I'm going to walk outside. <laughs> Listen, I know I'm a dog. I sit on a podcast that people listen to and tell them that I could coach better than some of Ohio State's coaches. And I believe it to this day. Al Washington, I will coach him in circles tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. I don't care. I will. I can out-recruit him right now. 100p. I don't even need, uh, I don't even need the admissions presentation. Just, get, just put just, me in a room. 
you so. gotta you set the bar a little higher for yourself there, man. Yeah, I know, but like he's, easy he's, example. He, he still went from Ohio State to Notre Dame. I, like he has some I, of the, he has one of the best jobs in the country. Like, I can go circles around coach he who must not be named. Oh, I mean that's a that's a really low bar. <laughs> like I can do that and not show up in the facility. Like I can do that over text message. Like, hey, your, your hands were in the wrong place. <laughs> you should, oh, man. I've never I've never played offensive line before in my life. You just gotta get a, a real grumpy voice. Like, you're just take that wide step there, you hand punch, and you're doing you're doing the job. It's like uh, I can't commit to the bit. I was gonna say get some dip, but I can't. I can't commit to the bit. I cannot do dip. If I do it, I'll be doing it again for another five years. So yeah, I I can't commit to that. But yeah, no. Uh, Brian Hartline has that dog in him. I got that um, dog in me. We got that dog in this podcast, which is why we go toe to toe with stupid people on Twitter who like to say yeah, stupid so things to get people I'm riled so up. We're gonna get into that, um, but yeah, Brian Hartline, absolutely stupid and incredulous. Um, the greatest position coach to ever grace a position coach title. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. He said his career ambitions have changed. Um, Heartline coaching. He says he wants to be an NFL head coach. He said he wants to be competing for Super Bowls for national championships. So it would take a lot to get him to leave because he's in a great place with that. But for Ohio State fans, it means it's on the table. That means it is real. Yeah, there I is think a, it, there are logical next steps for him to go. Yeah, I, I think it's both logical and illogical. It's logical in the sense that like the next step is there, but it's illogical in the sense that he's not going to take the proven job. Yeah, so absolutely like, not. Like someone just has to. Someone is just going to have to believe in him, which is probably going to like work. Oregon, a Texas, a right big name school. It has to be a school that he could put his recruiting strategies into. And I'm not even sure like he would go to Oregon. Like, like I, I definitely don't think he was going to Texas. Ohio State offensive coordinators at Texas has not worked out. But yeah, hey. like whatever, whatever it is, like I think you what know, did, like you said, he needs. He wants to be better than everybody, so why wouldn't he want to be better than another Ohio State coach left? Yeah, and I, I think I think that's the thing. It, like, it's there, but like I said, it's not going to be an easy thing to do because his standards are so right. high. Because it's literally it's not like, he's not going to take the Tulsa like, job, right? Like he has one of the best jobs in the country. So it's like if you don't get the head coaching, it, it, I hate to do this comparison. But it's literally what Jim Harbaugh is doing. And it's like, I have a great job. So if you give me a better job, I might take it. But if you don't, I have a great job. So, like, I'm not going to jump at just any job. I may interview. I may flirt a little bit. But, like, my job is great. Like, I'm not pressed. Like, Like, Jim Harbaugh is not going to get that much of a better job by going to the NFL. There's a challenge that he wants. He likes it better. Maybe he, he feels similarly about it being the you know maybe the, he finally wants to work a little less or, or something whatever whatever the reason like but it's like, recruit, so like I have a great job I'm comfortable I'm not just gonna jump at anything I don't need to prove a job I don't need to take Akron I don't need to take Kent State I don't need to take you know Louisiana Tech like I love what I'm doing 
But hey, if a prettier girl walks by, if a better job walks yeah. by, you know, something where I could do a little something that I'm like not doing, compete for national Mike championship. Mike yeah. said, hey, you want to come be the offense coordinator for the Titans? He would listen. He would answer that phone call. I think He would listen. I don't think he would go, but he would yeah, listen. That's, he'd answer the phone. Like, it's a he'd, real- be dumb. he'd be dumb not to, but I don't think he would go. And, you know, if any of his buddies from the NFL are in coaching circles now say, like, hey, I'm going to be head coach. We need an offense coordinator. You want to come? He's always going to go with the phone for that. But, like I said, I would not want to be the offense coordinator for a team with Ryan Tannehill. Nope. So, it's like you weigh the options. He's always brings – Back to his family's in Columbus. He's got a great thing in Columbus. So it's not like we're not doing this to sound the the weather alarms that come on every Wednesday at noon. Um, and we he always talks about this. Columbus, but he went to Glen Oak, right? Yeah, he's from – yeah, he's been he's in Ohio. Yeah. So it's like his fa- – he talks about Columbus because his family's – like his wife's family's in Columbus, but his family's two hours away. So like it, there's a lot of things tying him to it. It's just he's yeah. open about the possibility that if the right thing came, emphasis on right, and it made sense in every situation, he would jump. But it's not something to be worried about, as in, like, he's going to jump next year or something like that. It's just Ohio State job is better. The thing is, if it's not the perfect situation, there's nothing more $100,000 more can't fix. Yeah, and if we keep losing to Michigan, he's going to get this job. So (laughs) he he can just wait it out. I mean, think about what Luke Fickle did. Like, Luke Fickle waited it out for a while. Yeah, eight, nine years. Yeah, he finally took the Wisconsin job, but it's like – that like there's a lot of jobs that people offered him that he said no to because he had a good job and he wasn't just gonna jump for anything and finally he felt like he had something worth jumping for but I, I think it's very similar like you don't just you don't leave a good when you're in his position and you and you're doing it for very specific reasons you don't need the exposure you don't need the money. You don't need to validate yourself. You're a freaking NFL wide receiver with two or three contracts. Like, you're still getting the stipend. You're known all over the place. Like, when it's, when you're doing it for one or two reasons, you can be picky. Yeah, it, it, it really is one of those things where it's like, definitely don't worry about it. But it's an open, it's an, it's open to it. Um, yeah, I think we'll jump to the quick break right now. Um, we'll see you guys on the flip side to get into more recruiting stuff that I've seen on the internet. So we'll see you guys after the break. Welcome back in, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Ray, and I'm joined by Jordan Williams. We're putting our recruiting expert hats on. Um, talked about Brian Hartline, his career prospects, his interview. Um, he's, he's a cool dude. I'd like for Brian Hartline. Oh yeah, I, like there's a lot of things that you know kind of. My arms are too short. I'm a little too slow. I'm not as fast as I used to be. I still catch everything, but he gave me the call. I'd come in. I'd work out. You got that dog in you. You got to believe it. Yeah. Yeah, first round pick. Nobody's ever been a first round pick who didn't think they were a first round pick, Chris. Yeah, was, that was pretty crazy. Like, you know, and I'll be honest. Like, that's also part of that conversation. There are some people in this world, like, 
yeah, they might have the confidence, but you know, you've met them. Those guys were just like so good at stuff, but they're like all happy go lucky about everything. They're like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not that good. And then they're like an offensive lineman and they like declete like three people on a play and then they score a touchdown. You're like, yeah, well, you are, but they just don't understand it. Those people are the best and the worst. Yeah, it's like, come on now. But like, I think like, and on the podcast, they tried to make it seem like there's some people who like didn't really don't know their first round pick and things like that. I don't think that there's any, I think it's somewhere in the middle. For those of you who didn't listen, Brian Hartline was essentially like, there's nobody I've ever met who didn't know they were a first-round pick that won the first round. And the guys in the podcast were like, there's some people who, and I think they were mixing their lines up. I think like, there's no one who's a first-round pick that doesn't know their first-round pick. I just think that there are people like Brian Hartline who's going to say, I could beat up everybody in the country. And then there's people like Paris Johnson who's more humble, but he knows he's a dog. Like, yeah, you know you're a dog. You're just not going to, like, Paris Johnson's not going to answer that question and say, I'm going to beat up every offensive lineman in the league. You know what I mean? So I, I yeah, think that they were kind of getting – yeah, I think they were kind of getting their wires crossed a little bit, but kind of saying the same thing. Like, yeah, but Brian Harlan's right. There's no first round pick who doesn't know he's yeah, a first yeah. round pick. Warren Harrison knew it. Chris Lavi, Garrett Wilson, I knew it. Yeah. Now, honestly, I'd say it's very positional as well. Like, D. John Robinson knows he's a first round pick. I, I, like, I mean, come on. These people, like, you know, and like you said, Paris Johnson definitely does. That's why he left. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely. It's definitely an interesting conversation. Like, honestly, it's always crazy because I feel like, you know, what they did a good job with the the bus and what the boys guys did was making it feel like a relaxed environment. It wasn't that uptight. Like, Brian Hartline has to talk to the media. Oh, what are you guys going to do with these secrets? You're going to go post them on your little blogs. Like, you know, he doesn't have that in the back of his mind. He's just talking to, like, two other NFL players. I think both former NFL players right now. Um, and that's a different conversation than what he's having with someone at Rivals, what he's having with someone at 24-7 Sports. Like, he was he was pretty loose, and there's no Jerry Emig watching over the shoulder, looking at what he's saying, what he's answering, and there's just a little bit more candor in that conversation. Candor? Candor. 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 Sorry, guys. My English language wires got crossed up. Um but it just felt like he, like he like you got the most genuine version of Brian Hartland that I think we've seen since he's been speaking at Ohio State. It's not yeah this player's done a great job needs to work and get better. It's like rank your five best receivers you've ever coached and he had to do it. He didn't have to do it, but he did do it. It's because he's talking yeah. to guys he sees on the same level as him. Yeah, I think it's interesting. So that's actually funny. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't know that we can spend too much time talking about somebody else's podcast or our podcast. Uh, they're not paying us. But I did think it was interesting that Ryan Day was also on there because I was like, does Ryan Day know that Brian Hartline's on this podcast? And then I get on YouTube to look it up and I'm like, oh, they both did it. And Paris Johnson did it. Like, okay, Ohio State sanctioned this. They're in the Woody. They're on the couches. Like, Brian Hartline did just like go grab a drink somewhere and fly out to do a podcast and like miss a practice like Ohio State. But also I think that's good because like, oh, I don't know, man. Urban's not agreeing to that. And I'm not even no. sure Ryan Day two years ago is agreeing to that. I, I think they kind of see a little bit of, you know, gotta, some of that, like, you know, whether it's marketing, exactly, like kind of opening up and kind of that informal space. 
Well, yeah, and what's the best way to get people back on your side when things aren't going the best at times? Just show them you're here. Pretty sure that was in like House of Cards or something. Or Secession, maybe. I don't know. A lot of good shows out. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I thought it was fun. Like, you know, I, I think... I wish I wish coaches coaches let the uh, the facade down a little bit more often, you know, like because all the best all the best stuff happens when coaches like drop the coach speak for a minute. You know, they go up and they yell about someone else's paying money for recruiting. You know, that that's always the funnest stuff. That's some of the best off season conversation topic. Um, but yeah, I think we I think we've exhausted the Brian Hartline conversation. Not giving too much more publicity, but you know, if the if those guys want to give us a little publicity, we'll take it in return. You know, I think that'd be an equal trade, fair trade. Um, so uh, if not, I'm gonna go rate them one star on their podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's get into Aaron Nolan. Uh, Prentice Air Nolan. Um, that's a sick name. Lefty, sick lefty. Visited Ohio State, got an offer. Um, on three's RPM machine has him as like a 95% lean to Ohio State or 85%. I'm not good at math. Um, I'm not really good at reading either, but we're here. Um, no crystal balls on 24-7 sports. If you listen to some of the people around Ohio State's program, a certain message board is saying that they're losing out on them. But, you know, I'm not here to predict uh, unless I'm going to be right. I'm here to talk about it. And I think the 2024 quarterback situation is really interesting because you've got McCord, you've got Devin Brown, you've got Lincoln Keynels that are guys who legitimately have another year or two in this room, right? But – you're losing Tristan Jebbia. So it is incredibly important that you land a 2024 quarterback. And me and you were talking before the show. I don't think there's a quarterback in the country. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Julian Sands tape, but I don't think there's a quarterback in the country with as electric tape as Erdogan. No, like I, I, I don't say this just because he, he may be coming to Ohio State. I, I watched his tape and I literally gasped out loud. Like I heard myself, not like I'm texting LMAO, LMAO and I'm sitting straight face. I literally gasped at some of the things that he did. The dude is crazy. Um Maybe we don't get him. I think we do. But, like, yeah, he's, he's a stud. And I, I think there's just – I don't know, man. I also just kind of get to the point where you just kind of trust the evaluation of the guys of, of who they're going after. But and this is not to say that Aaron Nolan is going to be better than um, – uh, Dylan Rayola, or that we didn't want Dylan Rayola, or that we just decided like, oh yeah, we don't want the number one recruit in the country. Like, I'm not going to say that they didn't mess up that recruitment. Whatever happened, whatever happened. I'm just saying when I watched his tape, I audibly gasped, and he's a star. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think this is like the time or place to compare him to Dylan Rayola, right? I don't think either of us want to do that. Like Rayola's talented. We've already hashed out our issues with that. Um, we talked about the psychopathic nature it takes to come in and run headfirst into 
the Ohio State quarterback room. And, you know, if you offered a quarterback in the 200s and then that was enough to make you not want to be part of the class anymore, it says more about you. But we're not going to dig into that. We're not going to dig into that today. Um, audibly gasped? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, like, you know, I, I, I like to watch quarterback highlights. I do especially of recruits because I feel like they get better every single year. Um, this past year, like when you watch some of these top guys, like outside of Royola, because we've already seen a bunch of them, they'll make some wild throws. They'll like hit the, they'll, they'll do the ladder throws. They'll find the throws over the corner in front of the safety. You know, they'll put some nice zip on the ball. But when you do it, what like he does, what Nolan does at the six A level in Georgia football, gets me more excited because the like comparing him to someone on the class, he, he looked honestly like a little bit more electric of a Devin Brown. Like you're just getting off the platform, letting it rip. And this is my hottest take of the show. If he wasn't left-handed, I think he's a top thirty recruit. Uh, I mean. Is that a hot take? There's some truth to it. Because, unfortunately, you can't really name a left-handed quarterback outside of Mike Vick, who's been really successful. Um, I, I just think a lot of guys don't know how to work with lefties, and it's, it just kind of changes everything. I mean, like, I've even heard from, you know, people who are much better at, than me talk about, you know, how um, – talk about how like the ball spins differently and it's yes. it's a little bit different to like to even try to like catch from a lefty and different things like that so I definitely you know I definitely get that but I, I do think you're right because again like if he did what he was doing as a righty I think he might be the top quarterback in the class yeah it's insane and if you guys don't believe us go watch the tape he's got 8,000 yards passing in Georgia 6A highest level like it's absurd, hundred something touchdowns. Um, yeah. And y'all know the- I don't. I was gonna say y'all know I don't. I don't want to talk recruiting, and I don't like hyping up. Uh, I don't like hyping up. You know um, the kids. I, I don't. Not not as like a hater thing. I just really kind of want you know people to kind of wait and let them grow and, and different things like that. I. I'm not lying to y'all, man. I'm, I'm not yeah. lying to you. I, I don't watch a whole lot of tape, honestly, because I, I don't like to because it's all so similar. I think y'all, I think y'all will enjoy this one. I, I really think you will. Yeah, go watch the huddle tape. That's our, that's that's the recruiting segment. So, list of 13 best lefty quarterbacks in the NFL ranked by this random guy on SportingNews.com. Um, Steve Young's number one. Tracks makes sense to me. Won a Super Bowl. Won two Super Bowls, I believe. Oh, three-time Super Bowl champion. Hmm. But one is a starter. Okay, that you should have put that, that makes first. a lot more sense. Yeah, like we don't care about the ones when you were just on the team. Yeah, uh, Boomer Esiason, a Hall of Famer. Um, Michael Vick. That's um, wrong. I don't give a fuck. I'm sorry. I, I'm cussing too no, much. I mean, you're, you're right. I, I agree. He's, <laughs> I don't care that he's a Hall of Famer. It's Mike probably Vick. probably put Steve Young in front. I'd put Steve Young in front of Vick. And then I'll Vick. allow that, right. but I'm not, I'm not doing any. There's there's nobody but, else. But sorry, go ahead. Mike Vick, number three. Yeah, that's, that's a weird list. I don't know. This guy must be old. <laughs> and I'm not going to say the other part of it. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah, Ken Stabler, he was pretty good. Um, okay. But after that, after Ken Stabler, the next best left-handed quarterback on this list is Mark Brunell. Ooh. When you play for um, 
Let me count the let me count the numbers. When you play for five teams, that's usually not a great sign for a quarterback. Um, you got Jim Zorn. He's got an interesting name, but not the greatest quarterback ever. Frankie Albert. He played quarterback before. Uh, throwing the football was a thing. Scott Mitchell. I'm not old enough to know who Scott Mitchell is. Bobby Douglas, another at this, guy. At this point, he's just making people up. <laughs> like, can you yeah. prove that these people are real? Right, this one, this one, I've never heard of this guy. Tim Tebow. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that Matt Leiter, Chris Sims. Like, this is such a sad list of quarterbacks. Like, you really like Tua might be the third best quarterback, or third or fourth best quarterback on this list, and he hasn't played in half the games he's been in the NFL in. Yeah. But also, Tua does show that you can be successful relatively. Yeah. You know, and if you're starting quarterback and they didn't trade, they haven't traded him, they didn't bring in anyone to take his job, and they're not, they're not drafting anyone. So he's going to be an yeah, NFL starting quarterback for at least another season, probably two or three more. And for those of you who are keeping track, Tyree Kill said he's better than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Yep. So when you when you see a, a former player talking about a team, just remember that Tyree Kill said that. Tyree Kill said that to the media. Yeah, I think he had a couple million reasons why he said that, but I don't know. Oh, that could just be me. Could just be me. Uh, where with the NFL? Just gotta get their drug testing unit on that guy. Um, but yeah, all jokes aside, all jokes aside. Um, He's an exciting player. Um, also, this is just – we're going to do a quick run-through because I like to do this on the show sometimes. Let me get back to that 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 one. I think I closed it out to look up left-handed quarterbacks. But um, Ohio State, I thought their recruiting was dead when uh, when Ben Roebuck committed to Michigan. But um, since then, Ohio State's landed one, two, um, two guys in the top 100. Um that's they've got four top 100 recruits. Um, their player average is three points higher than Michigan's. Uh, if they land Air Nolan on was that Saturday, um, they will be the second highest ranked team. And I know we don't celebrate recruiting victories in March, but it's April now. We start celebrating a little bit. I don't really think you could start talking about recruiting until the class gets to 12, 15 guys. Um, but yeah, I think it's crazy that Ohio State will pass LSU with one more commitment from a top 100 recruit. Yeah, and Ohio State, they're they're not done per se, but they're getting kind of close to wrapping up their offensive class. Yeah, um, and I, I don't know if you saw this, but it would be pretty ridiculous. They were able to, and I'm still, it's still loading, so give me a second before we go through the crystal balls. But uh, it would be pretty ridiculous if Ohio State landed three top 20 recruits who play the same position. I think that would be pretty ridiculous, man. I, I mean, I, honestly, it'd be, it would be very, very ridiculous. Can we get a thesaurus out so we can find some better words for what that would actually be? <laughs> <laughs> like, Ridiculous, man. That's such like that. I don't even know. Like I, 
Man, that tweet made me laugh. It would indeed be ridiculous. What's worse, Absolutely. saying it would be ridiculous if Ohio State gets three top 20 players at the same position, or saying Jeremiah Smith, Ohio State commit. Aaron Nolan, Ohio State recruit. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey. It's just one of those things, man. Um, so, yeah, Ohio State's got uh, latest prediction, Jeremiah McClellan. Oh, surprise, surprise. Four-star receiver, top 100 guy. Oh, man, crazy. Reggie Powers, um, three-star, going to be a four-star very soon. Out of Dayton. Dayton? I don't know how people say that. That's not a word I use that much. Um, he's going to be an Ohio State guy soon. Peyton Pierce, um, some guy hasn't changed his Oklahoma crystal ball, but Tom Loy, Bill Kurelik, they have changed theirs. So going to be interesting. What's the difference between a lead expert and an expert on a recruitment? I don't personally know. That's something for you guys to take up with 24-7 sports. That's good. So I say recruiting is not dead. I think it's actually on the verge of getting pretty ridiculous. Yeah, pretty ridiculous. So I'm gonna help you out really quickly, just because I know you know you you didn't grow up in Ohio your entire life. And Ohio, if it has a T and ends in O N A N, anything A, anything kind of like that, we just don't say the T. It's Dayton. It's Dayton. It's Canton. Like, I, I, it's Canton, not Canton. It's it's Canton. Like, yeah, I got. I see so, yeah, it's Canton, Dayton, like yeah. So uh, I don't know why we don't we don't say T's here well. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe we'll pick we'll pick up a few more listeners. Now that I'm talking like an Ohio. Yeah, you know we'll, we'll get you there. Yeah, he's from Dayton. So um, yeah, I mean. I, honestly, I'm really trying not to get. I'm tr- I'm really trying not to get too excited. I try to temper myself in recruitment, but there's a lot of names that like you're just hearing around who are really high, and it's like, is Ohio State gonna get like 15 top 100 guys this year? Like, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to relax, but I'm going through it, and I'm seeing the commits already, and then I'm seeing some of the people. Who commit? And I've already—I got to remember his name. I've already convinced myself that they're getting Dylan Stewart just because he's from DC. We already had the conversation. He's going to go hang out with Chase Young and all those guys. Like I don't even know if Dylan Stewart's been to Ohio State. I don't follow recruiting that much. He was here. Two weeks ago, I believe. Okay, that's okay. I, I thought so. It's like I really don't know for sure. It's just like come yeah, on, that's like, what we talked about actually. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. You're right. Uh, it's just like why why wouldn't we get him from DC? That's our recruiting territory. So yeah, it's we, just what, like, we got Jason Moore from Dematha last year. Like yeah, like we're I, keeping I, Jason Moore and him are going to go hang out with freaking Chase Young and they're going to be Buckeyes. Like, I was literally yeah. scrolling down the list and there was an offensive tackle that I'd never heard of, but he was from D.C. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And I actually think he was like 100% to Ohio State. And I'm like, who, who is this guy? Yeah, I've never heard of this kid. Jordan Seaton. Sounds, sounds good. He's a 58th player in the nation. Six five two eighty seven. Like Isn't that the who, best like, one. Us recruiting experts with a Z because we're not taking that seriously. Uh, haven't even heard of a player, and it's like hundred percent crystal ball prediction. Yeah, the best. That's, it's, so that's when you it's know. just like, like you know, I yeah, I not spending four point five million dollars on recruiting, but you know what? You know, when you're as good as Ohio State is, you don't need that kind of money to do what they need to do. 
Yeah. I mean, personally, I don't uh, – who's the other – there's another offensive tackle that I, I said that we were going to get just by the fact of what school he went to. But, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, I personally – personally, Justin Fry is going to prove it. Um, Tim Walton, I think he's going to prove it. I think he's going to go – I think he's going to go two for three with the top 20 guys. But, come on, like, if we're being honest, that's still pretty absurd. That's that's uh, that's pretty great. You get the uh, in-state guy, and then you split the two other guys. And then the guy Aaron Scott, he is an Ohio guy. He's a little lower than the three they're talking about. Yeah. So who? Wait, who are the three they're talking? About? I, I, I just I, I have a, I have a hard I, I time got... listening to these people. Man, they make me so angry. Got a lot of names. Got a lot of names. The worst. I don't see. Name. You know the worst thing about that. The worst thing about it is there are some people that like it is Aaron Scott. Yeah, there are some people that follow the show who like I talk to like regularly on there, and then I see them like underneath like those tweets, and I'm like, I want to save them from themselves. Like, I really just, I really, I I know that you can do better than listening to these people, but no, sometimes you can't be be helped. Fandom is fandom. We got to get yeah. our fix. Um, so who is it? It's, it's yeah. I thought two of them. Yeah, Darren Scott, Xavier Brown, and Bryce West. Xavier Brown. Where Aaron Scott from is from? Midas, he's from Springfield. Springfield. Yeah, that's near Dayton. What the hell's in the water? Down? I don't want to know actually because that train crashed. But what the hell's in the water down there? Oh no, that's nowhere near the plane crash. The train crash. Rivers and stuff. Yeah, Dayton is. Oh wait, yeah, the rivers flow. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a yeah, geologist. The, honestly, like the the train crash was basically in Pennsylvania. Like literally, the town that that happened in borders Pennsylvania, and then Dayton yeah. is like by is like diagonal south of Columbus. It's like almost directly. North, south, east, west. Almost yeah. directly west. It's slightly southwest. And then Springfield is a little bit past that on closer to the Indiana border. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. All right, I found my confusion. Uh, he is the 71st player nationally, so that's why I didn't. So, um, yeah, it would be, it'd be crazy. It would be crazy. It would be nice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's still, indeed, three top 20 crews in the same position would be ridiculous. Yeah. I feel like when you tweet something that goes without saying, you don't need to say it. Some people haven't learned that, I guess. Yeah. Um, Chris, you know what great? He's going to start spaces about this. Yeah. Chris, you know what would be great? What's that? Yeah, it'd be it'd be ridiculous if like we just got a million listeners and became the most popular sports podcast and could retire from our jobs. Yeah, that'd be yeah, ridiculous. That'd be, be ridiculous if I walked yeah. outside and had a Ferrari and I didn't have to pay any insurance on it. Yeah, it'd be it'd be ridiculous if I just turned around and there's a briefcase with a hundred million dollars sitting in it. Yeah, where you at, Shock? Give me one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I promise we'll talk about you on the show. Yeah, that'd, that'd, be, that'd be pretty ridiculous. <laughs> hey, I'm not below becoming a state podcast for an NIL fund for the right amount of money. You want pro foundation content. You write a big enough check, I would do it. Yeah, honestly, you know, the foundation and cohesion are battling it out. 
but neither one of them are the official pot are the official nil collective of the buck off podcast so yeah, we either of them matter like are either is- of them important if they're not in business with the buck off podcast the official yeah, podcast know- of ohio state football if, if John Ruiz, if John Ruiz from Life Wallet down in Miami came and said, "Hey, we want to make you the official podcast," I might listen. Hey. I don't know what Life Wallet is, but I can find out. It's a shell company, so they can pay half this money. <laughs> Not a real company. He's a lawyer. Jeez, that's hilarious. He's giving people wallets for their life. Um, yeah, I'm just glad. You know, the best part about our podcast is not on the Pac-12 network. I, I'm seeing a lot of tweets about that right now. I don't. I'm going to look on that yeah. after. But well, I guess we're more available than most Pac-12 football games. Yeah. Well, you don't even have to find it. I'll tell you what happened in like three seconds. Uh, they still don't have a media deal, and it went from imminent happening imminently to happening late spring, early summer. That's oh not imminently. I can tell you that. I started, seeing, I started seeing the letters. I started seeing the letter CW being thrown around. I'm like, that's not a good sign. <laughs> I saw something that said that they're going to struggle to get 50 percent of their games on on live TV. Oh boy! You know what? Washington, is... Oregon. I know a conference can get you a little bit more money than that. Hey, and you know, you know what's ridiculous. You know be ridiculous. <laughs> If Washington, Oregon won the Big Ten, yeah, it'd be crazy. It'd be crazy. You know, I think, and I, I joked about this a ton, and I don't know if I've like verbalized it enough on the show, but at some point, with all the power conferences like reconverging, there's going to be a point where it breaks again, and you're going to have like, like we're already up to 16 teams. Those things get to 20. You're not, you're not even going to see half of them half the time. You're going to have conference championships in the middle, which it's basically just going to be a bowl game. Like, right, if you have two 10-team divisions and they play, that's basically the Rose Bowl. So it's like, really, college football is correcting itself naturally. And at one point, we're going to get so far into the future of realignment that we're basically just going to be back to where we started. Yeah, I think that in my opinion, and this is the first time that I've ever said this, and I will probably never say it again because it's unfair and it's never going to happen. I think 14 is the right number, and I think we should just start purging people. Like if yeah. Northwestern's not going to take football seriously, kick them out. Let them let them be, yeah, let them be a Mac school. Yeah, 100%. Like. Is, is they have a natural game. rivalry with Northern Illinois right there, and they're about at the same level. I oh, think Northern Illinois it, would beat Northwestern right now. Was it Andy Sables' newsletter today or mailbag where they were talking about Duke? Like, well, like if like the ACC collapses, like are those football schools going to stay with Duke, or are they going to leave them to go to the SEC or the Big Ten? They're going to absolutely leave Duke immediately. So. Like, it's one of those things, like, the reason the Pac-12 is in trouble is because they let Cal and Stanford dictate what they did with sports. And, you know, you can have your arguments about, like, the academia aspect and, like, should colleges still be just colleges, right? But it's not. That's not the way it works here. It's just not. It's... And it'd be like if the Big Ten let Purdue and Northwestern dictate everything. Like... (laughs) 
And Nebraska tried to say something, and Kevin Warren was like, "Shut up, stop talking." <laughs> Nebraska was like, Nebraska. "Can we?" That's like, blue "Can blue we?" Blue blue like, blue blue like, blue like the twelve blue bloods, and they're like, "Shut up." They were like, "I think we should be able to play non-conference games if you want to cancel the season." And 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 <laughs> the Big Ten literally went right. It's like, if you say something else, don't make don't make me come out there. Nebraska, we we invited you here. <laughs> like, you want that big contract that's coming up? You better, you better start acting right. Um, yeah, that's what I love about Kevin Warren. He's no nonsense guy. I think, I think there's too much nonsense in college football. Oh, like before we get to Travion, um, I I felt like I felt like an old person, like a really old person for the first time. Like, why do we got to change this? I kept seeing the debate, like, why 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 can't it? Teams scrimmage other teams for spring games, and I'm just like, why do we have to do that? Why does everything have to be fixed? Why does everything have to be changed? Like, are spring games so important to people that you need to see Ohio State play Akron in the spring? Like, would that make it better? Yes. Would that make it better to you? Like, I understand. Like, yeah, it's cool, but like. Do we really need to build up something in the spring for any additional reason? I like, think honestly, Ohio State's getting better competition against themselves than they would against a Mac school or another team. Yeah, I think, it, I think it'd be fun. I don't think it's necessary. I'm like right in the middle. Like I think it'd be fun. I would enjoy seeing it. I but personally. Here's my request. If you're going to do it, it can't be Ohio State-Akron. I need Ohio State-Alabama. I need play the teams that you don't want to play because you don't want the loss to count. Yeah, and give that, me Ohio State-Bama. Give me, give me Georgia-USC. Give me Clemson-Texas. Like, I I want the – I will I, – charge real money for the ticket. Like, charge, yeah. I, yeah. like, I want that game. I want the thing, like, I like we may see each other in the playoffs. We're not going to schedule each other because we don't want the game to count. Like, give me that, and then it's fine. Yeah. I don't want to see Ohio State play it, Miami of Ohio. You take it to that extreme, it would be incredibly fun. But we all know, like, you know, I know you're saying it because it would be fun, not because you think it would happen. It's oh, not really it's, it's, And that's the thing. It's like it's so much – Wasted energy getting into this. Coaches are crazy. They don't want to have the risk of stuff like that happening. They don't want to get their secrets out, even though they've got every single game on television with like stadium cuts. Like it's all like they still try to keep that stuff under wraps. They're trying to keep down Hayden a secret. Like, come on, guys. We all know what you guys are doing. I just watched Michigan Spring Game on television. They really like it, it was horrible. It was not fun. They're not fun to watch, but I'm gonna watch because it's there. And to be honest, to be honest, it's the reason I felt like an old guy was because like everyone was on the same side. I'm just like no, we don't need this. This isn't necessary. We've got realignment. We've got an expanded playoff. Can we just let something simmer for a little bit before we make another change? I, I think it's because the amount of work we have to do to stay up with everything now is so much. And I'm not just talking to us. Like, we'll, we do it anyway. If you add another thing, we're going to keep up with it. But, man, like, who was it in the NFL? You got to think about the fans when they were talking about the new Thursday night football. Like, come on. Like, protect them from themselves. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think it. I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't think it needs to happen. I think it'd be cool. But I'm. And again, like you said, if it happens, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna pay attention to it. I'm gonna figure it out. But I definitely think it. it like, if it's not I, gonna I, be Ohio now. State, Alabama, if it's not gonna be, you know. Uh, a Michigan TCU uh, rematch or something like that. I, I, do, I don't want to see yeah. that. Maybe if you're like Indiana, you'd want to see what you're up against like with a better Power 5 program, right? But like in Ohio State, like or, or Jordan Hancock's going to get much better work going up against the Ohio State receivers than he would against someone from like Pittsburgh. Yeah. Give me the Indiana-Washington grudge match. The coach who should be coaching at Indiana with the quarterback who should be quarterback at Indiana that they ruined. Yeah. And then he didn't. Like, I want to see that. I know teams wouldn't be about this because, like, the risk of injury right before the season starts. But instead of doing, like, a spring scrimmage against someone else, why wouldn't you just do one preseason game? One game that doesn't count, an exhibition before it all starts. So I pr- I prefer the spring because if someone gets injured, you have more time for them to get healthy. I think they already play too many games and, and preseason game. I, I don't like the preseason game idea because just like if you think about what happened to the corners during camp, yeah, like you're someone, right. You're like right. Someone's gonna get it's too close to the season. The spring, it's just like you obviously hope no one's gonna injured. take. You're not gonna take a regular season game away for that. Yeah, right. But in the, the spring. More regular season games took a preseason game away because you don't yeah. need the preseason. And the spring, you have those 15 practices. So, like, technically, at the end of the spring, you are game ready. Which, when, when you're game ready, you're less likely to get injured. You play the game. And then if someone does get injured, hopefully they don't. But if they do, as long as it's not long term, you have four months to get healthy again. Like, if you tw- if you sprain your ankle or, like, JSN, you, you, you mess up your quad or something, you have that time to kind of get right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I don't think. I mean, it's definitely. It's just one of those things. Like, we don't need to fix it. It's not broken. It's not. And we already fixed the playoffs, guys. We already did. Now we're just gonna see more um, Georgia TCU type games. All right, let's go. Travion Henderson. He's almost back. Then I'm feeling good. You know, I feel like not like for any like personal reasons, but it was really hard to watch Travion last year. You know, with his injury, you could tell he was lacking confidence. You could tell when he was on the field, he wanted to hit a home run to make up for lost time. But man, hearing him talk, hearing Tony Alford talk about him, like he's rearing to go. Um, I'm excited about Travion Henderson this year. I'm really – I've come around, you know, don't get me wrong, Dallin was awesome. Chip Trainum in in the Michigan game was solid. Uh, Mayan, when he had the bell cow nature, it was great. But I think you and me both understand that what Travion brings to the table is different. The ability to turn almost any play into a touchdown is not something the other backs in the room possess. And having that back, having that home run ability back is going to be so impactful for an offense that has a young quarterback. So I guess to start, where, where do you think our expectations should be with him? You know, he's had quite a bit of time to recover. He's way ahead of schedule. Like, I think he's going to be a full participant in fall camp from start to finish. Like, I, I, I think my expectations are statistically probably – in line with his freshman year just because there's more talent in the room at this point. 
but like less carries, same amount of yards, probably more touchdowns. Yeah, I have uh, no notes. Um, same place as you. I think that's that's very much doable, especially because like his freshman season was great, but it was breaking records for a freshman. It wasn't like you know. 1,800 yards, 2,000 yards. Like it, it wasn't something that's not repeatable. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, I don't want to put, like, that 2,000-yard mark in people's heads. I don't even want to put 1,800 yards. I think, like, even, like, depending on how everybody else in the room, how many carries are divvied out to different backs, right? Like, it's really the yards per carry, the touchdowns, the damage he does when he has the ball in his hand, like, has to be at a high. Like, if he has, like, 100 carries for, like, 1,250 yards, that's 12 yards a carry. That's absolutely obscene. Um, Like, that, like, I'm not saying that's the expectation. I'm not saying he's going to average 12 yards per carry. But what I'm saying is, like, there is an output to the reps he gets that, regardless of how many times he touches the ball, like, you could see it, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, even honestly, for me, I think that's doable. I think that should be a, a relative expectation. But no matter what the numbers are, I just want to see him get up on a safety in point three seconds and break a tackle and run a long one. Like, he just like I just want to see that again. Where like you know, like when he comes on that safety, you're praying for that safety. Yeah, like I remember watching the Tulsa game. Remember when he took that game over when Stroud was struggling? Mm-hmm. And you just saw him like get to that safety so quick that you could see them like you could see the fear in their eyes. You could see it in their posture. They were falling yeah. over before he got there. And that, that, we haven't like even mine, like with his shifting, like you don't see that from the other backs. There's just like a level of fear that that explosiveness instills into defenses where it's like if I miss this tackle. We're down seven. Yeah, and that's that's what I need. That's what I would like to see, um, regardless of what the numbers are, because Mayan is back and they're gonna split and this, that, or the third, whatever. I I, I do think he needs Apparently to be able to chips killing it in camp. So yeah. like, they're gonna they're gonna feed the mouths. They're gonna feed everybody. Yeah, I do think it needs to be over a thousand yards. But more than anything, I just want I just want that feeling again, where you're like, "Oof, I feel that safety got a family, Trey. You should have to do them like that." Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, looking at the other stuff in the running back room, I think one of the big conversations we continue to have is Alfred landing the running backs and recruiting. James Peoples a great start. They'll probably take another guy in that room who's probably in that like. 300, 250 range. You know, I feel like that tends to be how the running back classes work. You take a guy you expect to perform at a high level, and then you take a guy a little lower down the rank that you think might stay a little bit. And that is kind of what I'm seeing with how this recruiting's outlook is. Um, but yeah, Tony Alford said um, having Chip Trainum in the running back room's been awesome. Um, and they talked about his maturity. Um, he says the depth chart in 2023 is going to be awesome. Like he's just very excited. You know, I think you you have to be when you look at this room. Like you, like I, I know there's good running back rooms across the country, right? But if you take the performance from Dallin Hayden and go all the way up to the peak of Travion as a freshman, 
I, there's not a better room in the country. You don't have five better running backs. And I, we haven't even really seen Evan Pryor yet, but just him in the spring game alone was crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the things that you kind of hear and stuff like that. And the thing is, like, sure, we didn't entirely reach our goals and things, but it would have been much better if some of those running backs didn't step up. Like, we had a lot of running backs play last year, and a lot of them – there was a there was a drop off to what Trey was the year before, but for what the running backs were last year, there wasn't much drop off between three or four guys, which is kind of unprecedented. Yeah, hundred percent. Like Dallin getting into the game and just having such a natural feel for the zone scheme, I think was a very pleasant change of pace, especially for you and me, because. When you're watching, we, we we struggle sometimes with the zone run scheme. Like sometimes we want you to just design a gap scheme and let the running back hit it, right? But with Dallin's skill set, he is perfect for his own scheme because it's feel, it's vision, and it's understanding where that cut's going to be when it's going to open up, the pace you need when you hit the hole. Sometimes with uh, Trey, when he's pressing, he doesn't have that natural zone scheme feel. Sometimes with mine, he dances a little too much, like – where Dallin and Chip excelled at the end of the season was seeing where the hole was going to open up and getting to it. And that that's something where I think when you weigh that skill set versus the other two guys, like there is value there and just knowing what you're going to get if Lyon can't go, if Travion can't go. You know, you want to have the group fully healthy, like you said, but – like like you said, there was like no drop off. The yards per carry were right in line with each other. Like I think Mayan had like a seven or eight. Like Travion had like a seven or eight yards per carry, but like six yards per carry for the other two guys is pretty stupid. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think that you you kind of have to probably pare down the rotation a little bit. But the thing is, I think you tell the guys, listen. We're going to give Trey these carries because if Trey hits 1,200 yards, he's going to the league. Mayan's going to the league. So you're only going to get 50, 60 carries, but you're going to be the starter next year. I think that's just kind of what you do. You just give them enough to give them a little taste to keep them happy and go from there. And at the end yeah, of the day, 100. there's carries to go around because Trey is not a workhorse back. They don't want him to be that. So th- there are going to be games again where Trey gets 11 carries, runs for 100 yards, and doesn't play again. And he's done, yeah. And that's what you want from him. He's the home run hitter. He is. And we compared him to this when he got there and he was a freshman. He looks and runs like Reggie Bush ran. He probably won't get the trophies that Reggie got, but you know what I'm saying. It's 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 definitely it, it makes me excited. I'm like just seeing the guys healthy. That's what it's all about. Um, that's funny. That was a funny tweet. Connor's tweet about the the flash seven to eight p.m. eight to twelve a.m. Utah versus Oregon State. Go to one a.m. Smallville reruns. I love the Pac-12, man. This is what college football needs. We've got all this stability with the Big Ten and the SEC. We need some chaos. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was one of the fun, that was a funny tweet. Um, but yeah, I, absolutely. The running back room. I don't know. Is it the year of the running back? The year of the tight end, or just the year of Ohio State? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. I'm trying to I, – I, I see 
I see way too many areas that this could go negatively for me to for me to answer that. But I will say that there's a lot of things to be excited about in a lot of areas, especially maybe starting. No, I mean, everything starts with the wide receiver. But if you take out the wide receivers, starting with the running back room, there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, that's big time. Um, yeah, you got the like, you got a young quarterback. You've got two positions on the offensive line. Um, if those are filling well, man, it could get it could get gnarly out. It can get gnarly. Yeah, and the, and the thing with the the thing with the quarterback is you have the things that you want to have when you have a young quarterback. You want to have a strong running back room. You want to have a strong wide receiver room. They have those. The the biggest thing is going to kind of be that offensive line. If they can do it. Then it's like, you know, there's a, there's some there, we're we're cooking, uh, we're we're cooking, cooking absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a big day though, absolutely a big day. Um, hearing that he's ahead of schedule because you know, like it it is hard because you know we don't know we didn't know the extent of the foot issue like i remember people were like oh he's gonna transfer like what the like they're not playing him and then he's like yeah my foot's broken in like two places and every time i plan it feels like it's gonna explode and he kind of got into that in his presser um it's just good to see that he feel like remember when we were joking like he wanted to get into the tire pools yeah, yeah. Stop. That's, that's really all we need to know. Like, come on, come on, guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. We don't have much left. Oh yeah, last thing. Final thoughts here. Uh, Expo connects and NIL meet up for Ohio State players. I thought this was pretty cool. You know, getting a bunch of local businesses for that. They're, it's traditionally their career fair, so it still served that purpose, but it also served the purpose. Uh, being a place for athletes to communicate about NIL opportunities. And I thought that was just a really cool thing to see. I think that's a functional way to get NIL involved in the program without like, you know, having a foundation, having a fund, you know, because the fun, the foundations and the funds are going to be a pivotal part to getting payers, but absolutely without a doubt. But the real backbone of a city like Columbus is using the local businesses to really build a second income stream that is probably more sustainable in a lot of ways for more players. Yeah, for sure. And I think that I think it's minor, but I think it shows the ability to adjust is they were already doing that. It was our, it was just a job fair that they always had with Real Life Wednesdays, but they were like, let's add this NIO component because we know that some of our, you know, some of our employers and some of these people don't feel comfortable uh, with NIL, with the lack of rules and the governance and certain things like that. So let's not only try to sign people up for internships and things like that. Let's also market them a little bit. There was even a couple of recruits there I saw. So overall, I think it's a, a, a very good thing, a very good idea. Um, and it seems like it went well. Yeah, I didn't know there were some recruits there, but I talk about taking a recruiting visit and seeing the literal connections that 
Columbus can give you if you come to Ohio State. Because it's it's not like I don't want to like disparage like colleges and like traditional college towns, but um, they don't have the Fortune 500 companies that Ohio State does, and. Ohio State, and let me start from here. Like, those brand companies understand the brand that is Ohio State, and that's why you'll see them advertising during games. That's why you'll see them with their advertisements all over the stadium. Like, they understand it. Like, when you see Safe Light, like, that's a Columbus company. Like, yeah, it might not be a sexy and IL deal, but they could easily pay a rep, pay a bunch of Ohio State players to be representatives for them, right? Like, that's not something, and you know how good that is for advertising, for commercials. We see it with Rick Riker. Like, you know, every college town has a car dealer. But yeah. we got car dealers. We got Mark Wahlberg. Not, yeah, I mean, I don't like, know. That's a positive, but. <laughs> yeah, as if, well, if Mark Wahlberg was running our NIL, it would go down different. Yeah, not not every college town has nationwide. Right, not even yeah, Town yeah. has Huntington you know, get Brad, get Brad Paisley off the commercials and get Kyle McCord on them. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> He's got a new sheriff in town, Peyton Manning. Kyle McCord is now singing nationwide. Is on your side, no free ads. Uh, a lot of options, and it's it's nice that again, it's something that they were already kind of doing. They just remixed it. They have a director of NIL now. Um, you can help facilitate some things. So it, it's just another one of those little things that kind of ups the, I don't want to say ups the ante. It's just another one of those things that makes Ohio State a little bit more relatable, a little bit more recruitable, but more than anything, because not everything is about recruiting. It is genuinely another thing that's in the best interest of the current players, which is one of the Absolutely. things, in my opinion, where Ohio State stands out. Yeah, one thousand percent. And yeah, I don't think we need to keep digging in on this. I, it's really cool. It's just a really cool opportunity. Um, and that's, I mean, that's honestly what the basis of NIL was all about was creating additional opportunities for athletes in colleges. And we're seeing that unfold. Sounds like a win to me. Um, but yeah, um, I, I mean, I don't have anything else. It uh, wasn't the most newsworthy week. Um, I'm excited for this ridiculous recruiting class. Ohio State's going to get um, a ridiculously explosive running back back healthy. That's pretty awesome. It'd be ridiculous if all the running backs should be healthy. Um, and yeah, the year of the tight ends about to be ridiculous. So it was a ridiculous show today. And I think I've said all I needed to say at Chris Runny CFBs, where you can find me on Twitter, at Buck Off Pods, where you can find the show. And where can we find you, Jordan? You can find me on Twitter at JordanW330. And as always, go Bucks. And that'll be it from us. And we'll see you guys next time.